The Oakland A's are at it again, this time trading third baseman Matt Chapman to the Toronto Blue Jays for a package of four prospects, which people seem to be pretty split on how good the return actually was. And also, Major League Baseball is testing rule changes all across the minor leagues. Let's talk about it. are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And like I mentioned in the open, the Oakland Athletics are at it again, and we're going to talk about it. If you have questions about any of the transactions going on, any of the minor leaguers who are in camp right now, or how the minor leagues work, you can reach out to us. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can also email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. We do mailbags pretty much every Monday now, so send those questions in and we'll take care of them. But the big trade announced on Wednesday was Matt Chapman, third baseman for the Oakland A's, going to the Toronto Blue Jays. And in return, Toronto's getting four players back. So you look at Matt Chapman, and this is really a situation where Toronto's buying him low. Uh, Didn't have a great year last year compared to what he had done in previous years. You know, a little bit of a down year. And it's something where still put up really good defense, you know, still was that guy as far as like elite defender out there, strikes out a lot. And last year looked a little bit different than you initially would want uh, from him from a strikeout offensive perspective, but still he's got 30 homer power. Um, he has the, 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 the batter's eye, the patience, the knowledge of the strike zone to draw 70 walks or so. He's done that in the last two years. And so there's some questions about how that skill set's going to age, but uh, if nothing else, Toronto got themselves much better defensively in the infield because right now that that infield as a whole is below average defensively. And then Chapman has the skills to do, to be a three to five war player under team control for the next two years or so so that Toronto can make a deep postseason run. And the guys they got back, it's a package of four players and two, two top 10 guys a third guy in the top 30, and a fourth guy kind of unranked. And there's been some questions about how good this package really was. So a lot of people are talking about the highlight of the package being shortstop Kevin Smith, 25-year-old. He's the number seven prospect in the system. And he's one of those guys, kind of feels like he needed a change of scenery. So uh, full season 2018 looked really good. Had a bad 2019. Lost 2020. And then 2021 played pretty, you know, pretty well in Buffalo for about 90 games. And it was something where he was doing a lot of work on his swing, trying to figure out uh, handsets, trying to figure out uh, motions and stride and what he could do to try to unleash, a li- like unlock a little bit more power out of it. And so he got, you know, he was able to get more barrels last year. He was able to start catching up to fastballs up in the zone. And, you know, had a good year, batted 285, 375, 61 in Buffalo. And, um, you know, it's something where, like I said, 25, he turns 26. And defensively, he's, you know, he's a sound player. He can, 
He's got an above average arm. He can play short. He could play third or second for you. He feels like a really good utility guy. Uh, obviously, if you're going to take him as one of the highlights of the piece, you see him as a full-time shortstop. But either way, uh, a guy who can definitely contribute for you and then I would say probably can put up 15 to 20 home runs at the major league level while giving you above average defense. And that's definitely something that you want. And the change of scenery, it's probably going to do him good. And he's a guy, I think about a Christian Pache. You know, the Matt Olson deal, they got Christian Pache from Atlanta, another guy who probably needs a change of scenery. Although Kevin Smith does have a better, a better track record of offensive success than Pache did. But still, a a change of scenery guy who's young enough where he can still figure it out. And then big thing for the for the A's, you call him up at age 25. He turned 26 this July. By the time you're done with the six years of team control, uh, that's a typically a player they're not going to extend long-term. So financially, it makes sense for Oakland to do that. Uh, there are some questions about his, his future fit, whether he can hit enough to be a big leaguer, a full-time big leaguer, or he's going to be a utility fill-in kind of guy. To me, the real star of the package is the other top 10 prospect, Gunnar Hogland, right-hand pitcher out of um, out of Ole Miss. And he was actually somebody who wouldn't have been available in 2021 at pick 19 if not for the fact that he had Tommy John surgery during the year. So he had it in May last year before the draft. And he's a guy that I see him kind of right now as a number three to a number two. Um, he had a fastball that you know sits low 90s. He could get it up to 96. And he's a guy that that could do that over and over and over again. Very polished, uh, good delivery, very smooth, and really seemed to just kind of understand pitching. He's got um, a slider and a changeup. Both of them are above average. The slider's low 80s. It's got a sharp action to it. Changeup's above average as well. And so he's got a starter's repertoire. He can get righties and lefties out. And really, you're just betting that his recovery goes okay, that he kind of comes back from the Tommy John and and regains the form that he showed you at Ole Miss. And I think he's going to. I like Gunnar Hogland in this trade. I like Gunnar Hogland at age 22 going to the A's. Probably You're probably not asking him to do much until at the earliest next year so from their perspective, what they're looking for, young, cost-controlled talent, they're going to have him through his age 29 or 30 season before he hits free agency and be better able to, to control the cost while getting a, a, a mid to upper rotation starter. I like that. Two of the other guys in the trade, um, Zach Logue, left-hand pitcher, he was mid-20s for the Jays, and he's a guy... Uh, really had like made a lot of positive strides in development last year. So uh, was drafted in 2017 in the ninth round out of Kentucky and really, really didn't look like he was going to a, amount to much of anything until last year. He started off upper 80s from his fastball. Well, and now he's up around 93, 94, and he's got he's able to throw um, strikes, plenty of strikes. And he has a changeup that he can really disguise off of the fastball. And it's now an above average pitch. So he kind of took a leap um, over the pandemic. One of those guys that obviously while he was not playing games, he did something to make himself better. Another one of those guys that kind of needed that change of scenery. You know, he's um, he's got a, an a average to fringe cutter, average to fringe slider, but he's got two good pitches. I think that 
He's going to be able to debut sometime rather soon. And he has a chance to stick around as a back-end guy. He's going to eat innings for you. He's going to put up an ERA of four, four and change, which from a number five, that's what you want. You want a guy who can go out there, throw 150 innings, 170 innings, um, and not you know, and not have an ERA over five. So I think that's fine. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, Kirby Snead, left-hand pitcher. He's 27, and he's straight relief prospect. They took him in 2016, the 10th round out of Florida, where he was a reliever. Now he's gotten better since then. Um, fastball sits mid to you know mid to just over mid nineties. Uh, it's a slider that's high spin, kind of down in the low eighties. Uh, not a lot of people can put their bats on it, you know, missed bats. And so I think he's going to be a guy. You know, he had a one five eight ERA in forty innings in AAA, and so he's going to be a guy that can step into the Oakland bullpen, probably middle relief. I think you're going to want to get him a little more experience before you throw him into the back half of the bullpen, but at the very least, middle relief, you can get something there. Kind of, I'm not going to say a quad A guy. He can contribute at the major league level, but probably not somebody you're going to have as a closer, but just rather somebody who's who's going to be in there, who's going to help bridge you through on those seven to three games or three to seven games, bridge you over to the end of the bullpen and get you out of the game. Uh Ultimately, something where two years of team control of Matt Chapman for these guys. I really like Gunnar Hogland. I'm not sure on Kevin Smith, and that's just something where I want to see more um, of what his swing looks like after he made those changes. And Elvis Andrews in Oakland isn't going anywhere, but he hasn't been good in a couple years. And so I don't think there's necessarily any hurry as far as when you decide to call up Kevin Smith and let him start. So send him to AAA. Give him some time to kind of make sure he's good with his swing, his swing works and everything, and then you can call him up. And there are going to be some things different that he's going to see in AAA because minor league baseball is changing some of the rules in the minor leagues. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Mission Possible. If you're ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go, Mission Possible written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete and former baseball player Tim Tebow, encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. So, Changes coming to the minor leagues, and a lot of these were, we saw a little bit of it in 2021, and they're taking some of those and they're expanding those to from the Atlantic League into affiliated ball, and then from just low A to some different, some entirely different leagues all the way up. And speaking of that, um, minor league baseball has actually officially changed some of the names. Last year, when they when they realigned a bunch of affiliates and got rid of a bunch of affiliates and things like that. They changed all the names to like AAA East, AAA West, AA South, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they they announced on thir- on Wednesday that they are restoring the old names. The realignment's still going to be there. But they're restoring the old names. So AAA East is now the International League like it used to be. AAA West is the Pacific Coast. AA Central is the Texas League. AA South is the Southern League. Double uh, A East is the Eastern League. High A Central is the Midwest League. You know, going all the way back, uh, the names that they've had for a long time, and I, I, I love that they're br- they're bringing these back. They have most of the logos back. They're bringing everything back to the way it was. Uh, kind of brings back an older time in baseball. And I'm going to do my best to get the original names and not the 
double A South or triple A East, but I, I spent a year trying to drill those old names out of my head and learning the new ones. I can't just flip that switch. We'll see what happens. But some of the rule changes. So one of the things here is the pitch clock. The pitch clock is now going to be at all levels of affiliated minor league baseball. And there's a couple, it's going to work differently in some different things. So triple A, double A, it'll be, if there's no runners on base, 15 second pitch clock. If there are runners on base, 20 seconds. And that is, if I if I have this correct, and if I don't, please reach out to me. I believe that is um, batters have to be ready to hit. Pitchers are have to be able to deliver the pitch within the amount of time. And so this is something where when they tried this in the fall league in Arizona and in low A West, it cut t- down the time of the games by more than 20 minutes. And that's something that baseball has seen the pace of play creep up over a uh, quite a bit over the last few years, the last decade or so. And so bringing those games back down in time is something that they want to do for television reasons, for the fans, and all of that. So that's something that they're doing. And then in low A, they're, they're also implementing a pickoff limit. So you can only step off or throw over three times in an at-bat. And on that third time, if you don't get the runner out, the runner automatically advances to the next base. So that's something where if you think about what that means, you get two pickoffs. Okay. You get two free throw overs, two free pickoffs, whatever. After the second one, you can only throw over if you're going to get the guy. Cause if you're not going to get him, he gets second base anyway, like he would have, if he stole. So that's something where now from a prospect standpoint, you have to look at stolen base numbers a little bit differently when it comes to low a, because it's, theoretically going to be easier to steal. And that's something they want to create more offense. They want to create more excitement, more offense. Uh, but you're going to definitely see that. Uh, speaking of creating you know, more steals and things like that, larger bases. So the sizes of first, second, and third are going to increase from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. And that's all the levels of baseball. Um, and and this is there's two reasons for this. And the first one they say is to promote offense. And it's be, uh, to promote uh, looking at the, the the press release, it's to promote stolen base attempts and uh, and infield hits. And I don't necessarily um, think that you're going to see a ton more stolen bases because you have an extra six inches between the bags because three on first, three on second. You know, uh, I don't think you're going to see a ton more of of uh, ton more stolen bases. But I do buy the second reason they gave, which is player safety. And it's something, obviously, you have more bag for a runner to land on, for uh, for a fielder to, to tag. Um, so like the neighborhood play, things like that. There's more space. Should be safer. I don't necessarily see an issue with increasing the size of the base a little bit. And it's actually three inches because it's an inch and a half on each. Anyway, um, so that's something new. They're going to do some works to ban the shift. So here's what they're going to do. So double A, high A, and low A in 2022, the defensive team must have four play, a minimum of four players on the infield. So on the clay, can't be in the grass. You can't put the um, you can't put the third baseman or the second baseman in shallow right field anymore. Um, and then you have to have two infielders completely on each side of second base when the ball is released by the pitcher. So. If you want your shortstop to cheat over and play behind second, he has to stay on his side of the bag until the ball is released. And when the ball is released, he can move over 
while the ball is in the air. So he's in motion that direction when the ball is hit. But the idea here is, going back to their quote, they want to, and I'm not making this up, their quote is they want to, uh, quote, allow infielders to better showcase their athleticism and to restore a more traditional set of aesthetics and outcomes on batted balls. I wish I was making that up. Uh, That is their justification for doing this. And then the last one is going to be automated balls and strikes. And this is really interesting to me. So uh, select games in AAA, and it's games specifically that are in Charlotte. And then low A Southeast, they're going to use um, automated balls and strikes to call the balls and strikes. And then, so we saw last year they had to change the strike zone to better reflect what a natu- what a real pit, uh, umpire would call. So it got a little bit wider, it got a little bit shorter, and they had to adjust that. Uh, and then something else that they're going to do, like, and sorry, going back, they model that zone, apparently, in the press release. They're modeling that zone based off of the demonstrated zone called by, quote, high-level umpire. So their internal grading, pitchers, or umpires that grade well in calling balls and strikes, they have recreated those umpire zones, and that's what they're using for the strike zone for the augmented balls and strikes. And then low A Southeast, they're doing a challenge system. And so what this will be, the umpire, not the machine, will call balls and strikes. And the pitcher, the catcher, and the batter all have the ability to appeal the umpire's call. And if you appeal it, it goes to the ABS system. Now you get three appeals per game. And when they say successful appeals uh, will be retained, they mean if you get it right, if he called it a ball, you thought it was a strike, you challenged it, and you were correct, that does not count as one of your three. So in essence, you get to be wrong three times. So you can be in the game. Uh, the the It can be a 3-2 count. The batter can watch strike three. If he thinks it was outside, he can appeal to the umpire. And if it was, in fact, outside, he would go to first and his team would retain the challenge. If he was wrong, he's still out, and now you go from three challenges to two. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen here, what this is going to look like. And it's something where you just kind of have to see it in action. Um, There's a lot of, I I feel like there's a lot of unintended consequences to some of these things. And that's why I kind of wish that they had tested the challenge system at like the, uh, the Atlantic League or, you know, one of the one of the partner leagues, as they call it, that's not a part of affiliated ball, just so we could kind of see some of the unintended consequences of some of these rules um, before they do that. And they are testing some more extreme rules in the Atlantic League. And I'm really excited to tell you all about it. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Uh, and there are so many makes and models of cars out there that it is practically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to have every part for every car in that room in the back. So when you go up there, they're going to ask you all kinds of questions. You're going to run to the car multiple times to figure out, are you an LX or an EX? Are you a sport or not? All the different trim things. Just for them to tell you, we don't have the part, we'll mail it to your house. And so if you're going to do that, just save time and money and use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving DIYers for over 20 years. And those prices are reliably low for every single customer. There's no special loyalty program. There's no membership. They're just everyday low prices. And they have everything you could need. You go in there, you put in the year making model of your car and it shows you a breakdown of every single part that they sell for. If it's 
you have a chip in your paint. Well, here's all of the different colors of the paint. Here's where to go look on this sticker in the car to get the color code. And here's the kit you need to touch that up and reseal it. You know, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, all that kind of stuff. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, the two big rule experiments they're doing in the Atlantic League. These are these are interesting. Folks who follow me on Twitter for a while have known that I have been an advocate of the double hook DH. And the idea of this, the idea of the double hook DH was you get a DH until your starting pitcher leaves the game. When your starting pitcher leaves the game, you lose the DH. And to me, the reason why I was a fan of the double hook DH was one, it preserved the jobs and the strategy of having to do pinch hitting and double switches in, at the end of games. 2020, you know, being a National League guy, being an Atlanta Braves fan, um, didn't have to do a ton of DH stuff. And in 2020, I felt like you really lost out on that element of having guys come in to pinch hit in the you know the seventh because you've taken your starter out and now you have relievers in. And so you're you're pinch hitting, you're figuring out when can you use this guy versus that guy and balancing your bench and then having a guy pinch hit and then stay in as a defensive replacement. Just all those different little strategy things were lost. So the double hook DH to me was an idea where, okay, now you can do best of both worlds. You don't have to watch a starting pitcher, you know, swing and miss and do all of that, but you still get all of that strategy. And the flaw that we saw when they tested that last year was if you had a starter that came out extraordinarily early. And in essence, what it meant was uh, you either had to make a reliever bat or you ran out of bench guys before the end of the game. If your starter came out in the second, you know, you're looking at four at-bats that you're having to pinch hit for a reliever for. And so, you know, it's not, um, it didn't always necessarily have the intended effect of making, making starters go longer. And so something they're testing in the Atlantic League, which if you'll remember is it's an independent league, but they get support from MLB, and in return, they do things like test these experimental rules. They moved the mound back last year to test that. Um, so they have modified the double hook DH, and what they have said is, in 2022, if the starter completes five innings, the DH does not leave the lineup. If the starting pitcher does not go five innings, then when your starter comes out, you lose your DH. So they're trying to because the whole point of the double hook DH was to incentivize starting pitchers to go deeper into games. And coaches, managers were pulling pitchers anyway and didn't necessarily uh, worry too much about, about um, like, didn't worry about when they're going to lose the DH. They would just pulled the pitcher whenever they needed to. And so now the thought process is you have an incentive to at least let them go five. So. I can't say that I love the concept of one team keeping their DH and the other losing it. I'd rather the rules be the same for both sides, but I'm curious to see what happens in the Atlantic League. And the other thing that they did, literally um, right out of Banana Ball, the Savannah Bananas uh, professional team, um, not affiliated, independent. They do a world tour outside of the baseball season where they do all kind of crazy stuff. But one thing, I took it straight from there. They're calling it the dropped pitch rule. But what this is, is um, batters can advance to first base on any pitch 
not caught in the air by the catcher. And if you get to first base safely, you are awarded a hit. And the idea in their press release, they say this rule will increase the importance of taking care of the baseball, as in pitching with command, receiving, and blocking pitches, as well as reward athletic players who are able to capitalize on wild pitches and passed balls. So I don't know what to think about this. I've under, I've, I've understood for a while, um, obviously, a drop strike, strike three, you can run to first. And you, know, and you see that quite a bit. I don't know how I feel about if it's a 3-0 count and a slider gets away from, an, from a catcher, you can run to first. It feels like maybe necessarily you haven't quite earned that. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, again, curious to see how they implement it. I'm glad it's in, a, it's in an independent league versus affiliated ball. Uh, but just something new they're doing, a little more extreme than what they're doing for the minors, but they want to test that to see how it works. Um, I like the intent of the rule. It preserves an important role for the catcher especially if they're not having to worry about framing. I just think it's a little drastic, but really excited to see this. Um, it's, you can imagine all the downstream effects from this. You're going to see if it's a really athletic guy at the plate, you might see a, a pitcher want to go all fastballs, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just makes you kind of wonder with a lower level of competition, pitchers who are, in, are naturally a little less skilled, what's going to happen there. Again, if you have questions for the show, uh, I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, lockedonmlbprospects at gmail.com. We're going to do mailbags just about every Monday. Uh, those of you who have been uh, patiently, patiently waiting for a National League West Farm Friday, you have that coming tomorrow. I recorded it last week and was had to dump the whole thing because we signed a CBA. So Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Giants, Padres, Rockies, we're talking all those farm systems on tomorrow's show. Uh, but until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospect. Mm-hmm.